Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Cloister. We're going to be starting this season of the podcast by sharing a wonderful Advent retreat we offered last year with David Cole, author of the book Celtic Advent. We spent four weeks together exploring some of the ancient ways the Celtic Church celebrated this coming of Christ and I can't wait to share these episodes with you. We'll be releasing one episode a week during Advent But then in the new year, we'll be updating this podcast fortnightly. Just a note, during this episode, David discusses some beautiful pieces of art. You can see these at our website, www.monasticretreats.co.uk forward slash the cloister. Whilst you're there, you can also check out some of the retreats our partner monasteries have to offer and find out where your nearest monastery is. You can also sign up for our monthly email newsletter, where I share all the retreats coming up in the coming month. I hope this episode helps you to slow down and find some peace and rest as we head into this Advent season. So what I want to do over these next four Thursday evenings is just glance a little bit through the Celtic Advent book. and, and hopefully it will be running fairly similarly to where you are if you're reading the book on a daily basis. Um, so tonight what I want to do is, is look at the first coming of Christ. So if you haven't got the book and you don't know um, anything about it, then, then one of the things we, we understand is that during the period of Advent, when the Celts were uh, fasting and, and focusing uh, in their preparations for Christmas celebrations, um, they focused on three comings of Christ. So the first coming of Christ is the incarnation, which we all uh, think about over Christmas. The second coming of Christ is Christ coming into our lives, and that will be next week's focus. The third coming of Christ is Christ returning at the end of all things. So what the Bible calls the second coming, but of course the Celts already had a second coming of Christ. So that's the third coming. And then on the fourth week, Uh, Just before Christmas, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, some of the things that the Celts looked at during the winter season, uh, which is when we'll get into the Celtic yearbook, uh, when we look at uh, winter solstice, for example. So tonight I want to look at, or or this session, depending on which time zone you're in, um, I want to look at the first coming of Christ. That is the incarnation of Christ, the thing that we're all focusing on at the moment in our churches, uh, looking at the birth of Christ. And I want to just bring out a couple of uh, points in this, because I do want to pause in the middle. I do want to have time for questions. Uh, So I'm just going to bring out a couple of points in this. The first thing is how important the incarnation was to the Celts. Um, And, uh, well, yeah, they'll they'll, they'll, they'll kind of uh, roll off of that. Those those couple of things roll off of that. Um, So we, we have this period of time where it's about preparation. But the majority of us will be focusing on the external preparations rather than the internal preparations. So our external preparations are making sure, you know, the house is ready. You're putting your decorations up. You're making sure you've bought all the presents. You're making sure that you've got all the food in for whoever's coming. You're making sure that you've organised uh, all the visitors or you've organised your transport because you're going to be one of the visitors and all these external preparations and if you're involved in the church 
then the, the, you have all these external preparations about the services. And if you're uh, you know, a vicar or a musician or part of the choir, you've got the, the preparation of the, the service uh, performances, the, the actual choir, the, the singing, the practices of the carols, uh, and all those things, all these external things going on. And it's very, very easy to be so caught up in that that we miss the significance of the internal preparation. And for the Celts, the internal preparation was the, the greater focus. So the incarnation for the Celts, the actual uh, essence of, of this ineffable divine becoming a human being was so significantly important. There was a, a, a theology in Celtic Christianity that grew uh, to, to suggest that actually the incarnation was the most important part of the life of Christ. Now, in the modern church, we kind of miss out the life of Christ, particularly in our creeds. Uh, we, we focus a little bit on uh, Mary and the, and the incarnation, and then we miss entirely, when we're talking about our creeds, the whole life of Christ. And then we go straight to the death, because in our Western culture, particularly Protestant Western culture, but Catholic also, the cross has become pretty much what we think it's all about. This is the only focus of Christianity. This is the, the central focus of Christianity. It's the cross. So much so that, to my great annoyance, many people preach about the cross on Christmas services. It's, in my opinion, completely out of place. The cross has its own celebration and feast. Go wait till Easter. Uh, the incarnation is what should be focused on here. And there's a theology in Celtic Christianity that was most uh, strongly put across, but it was around before this, by the 9th century theologian, Irish theologian, John Scottus Eriugena, that we gain our salvation because of the incarnation. The crucifixion was just a part of the life of Christ. Yes, it was a significant part, but actually if the incarnation hadn't happened, then the crucifixion couldn't have happened. So the, the coming of Christ, so the, the, the Celtic Christians we understand had the Gospel of John as their major biblical focus on the life of Jesus. And of course, John begins his gospel with the enormity and ineffability of the divine presence uh, in, in the, the, the prologue of John's gospel, uh, John 1, verse 1 to 14. Um, this enormity of the eternal cosmic Christ then becoming a human being. So this was this was the enormity of it. Um, and this was uh, expressed through uh, the beautiful illuminated scriptures uh, that came about um, over the years of the Irish and Anglo-Saxon period, particularly. Uh, so um, I'm just going to share a screen here for a moment. So in the illuminated scriptures, um, they were they began with the carpet pages which was just basically a, a, a series of uh, pages that, um, can you, I might just close this down here. I don't know if I can move, can I move this? Hang on a minute. There we go. Um, oh, it's gone, brilliant. Thank you, maybe that was David. Um, so it began with carpet pages, just beautiful pictures uh, of Celtic knotwork and patterns and uh, geometric shapes and creatures and stuff. Um, and then it had a, a, a contents page. And then often it had the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, with their animals. Um, and then it started, it was the, there were the gospels, these illuminated scriptures. So it started with Matthew's gospel. Now, if you, if you look at your Matthew's gospel, Matthew's gospel, Matthew 1, verse 1, starts with something, depending on which translation you have, something along the lines of, 
here is the genealogy of Jesus or here is the genealogy of Christ and then has a big list of names. So important was the incarnation of Christ. So important was Christ to uh, the Celtic Christian. Yes, it's just a green screen at the moment. Uh, so important was the, the, the essence and the presence of Christ that the Gospels that the Celts wrote and the Anglo-Saxons wrote began with the word Christ. And it starts, so that's for the, it started with the Kiro. Um, and I'm just going to show you one version of the Kiro. Um, yes, it's yeah, just, a, just a green screen at the moment. Okay, so here is uh, possibly, arguably, the, the, the most famous Kiro the, from the Book of Kells, which is held in Trinity College uh, in, uh, Library in uh, Dublin. And what you have here is the Kiro is the first two letters of Christ. It's the X here, this is the big X. Uh, and this here looks like a capital P, um, but it's uh, the, 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 the key and the row. Uh, so there's the first two letters of Christ, and you'll often find that on altars in churches, a big cap, it looks like a capital P with an X through its stem, like that. Uh, so here is the beginning of Matthew's Gospel. This is not a carpet page, this is actually the first sentence of Matthew's Gospel. You can see some more writing down here at the bottom of the page uh, in Latin. This is the first page of Matthew's Gospel, and they wanted to express this um, uh, they wanted to express this enormity of the idea of the incarnation, the ineffable God divine coming down into a body through these incredible pages. Just a couple more uh, of these pages. So uh, this is the uh, Lindisfarne Gospels. And of course, you can see much better here the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, uh, the writing underneath the Kiro. Again, beautifully uh, inscripted, beautifully decorated. The knotwork is incredible. The uh, Lindisfarne Gospels are housed in the British Library, usually in their ancient manuscript section, although they are on tour at the moment, uh, like an old rock band. Uh, and I think there's some around Dublin or uh, something around Durham or uh, Lindisfarne at the moment. Uh, so you can see them traveling around, but most of the time they're in the British Library. And one last one, uh, the Book of Chad, uh, which again, you can see the beginning of uh, Matthew's Gospel there, but another set of beautifully inscripted and uh, decorated Kiros. Um, so there was this, it's just a green screen again now, uh, don't panic. Um, I'm going to come back to the sharing in a moment. So the, the illuminated scriptures really expressed how important the coming of Christ was. Um, and a, another beautiful part of this uh, importance of the coming of Christ was um, a beautiful legend that grew up about Bridget of Kildare. Now Bridget came about a, a generation after Patrick in Ireland. Um, there are some stories that she helped Patrick or she was taught by Patrick or something but her uh, timeline doesn't match with Patrick. It's possible her mother was converted by Patrick uh, but uh, Bridget comes you know one, one generation down from Patrick uh, but she was significantly important in Ireland um, and uh, there was a beautiful legend that grew up with her. So the Celts, like us, I assume, believed that God was not uh, caught up inside linear time. So we don't believe God is caught up in linear time. We believe that God is outside of time, or at least I do anyway, that's my theology. Can't speak for anybody else. Um, but the Celts also believe that God is outside of linear time. It's not just in this moment that God exists. Actually, God exists in all moments all at once. 
So if that's true, then if you are uh, in a space where you're being trans transported into the eternal, I don't know if you've ever been in a, a really deep meditation state where you feel that you kind of just your time is irrelevant and it, it passes in a different way or you're just you're caught up in the kind of eternal context and you don't feel like you're in linear time. Um, but that's that's kind of you know, you, you're, you're being a, uh, taken into that divine presence because the divine is outside of time. So time is irrelevant. Um, and so if you are able to kind of connect with God in that way and they believe they, that you could be so part of the desert tradition and Eastern Orthodox tradition that comes from that desert tradition uh, and is in some elements of the Western tradition is this sense of becoming one with God, the, the deification uh, or the theosis as it is in the, in the Eastern Orthodox Church um, or as uh, the Apostle Peter puts it, taking on the uh, the, the divine um, uh, character, taking on the divine character uh, through our uh, deepening connection with the divine. If you can be taken into that presence, then then you are then in a space where you are outside of linear time, as it were. That's why it feels like you're outside of time, because actually you are. You're in the divine presence. Now, there's a story in the book of Acts uh, that talks about how God is outside of physical space as well, because, again, we all believe that God is outside of physical space. God doesn't just appear in one place at one time. Uh, God is present here with me in my little study and he's present with David and he's present with Graham and Pauline. And I'm just saying names that I can see on my screen. Um, he's present in all places at all times and not even on this, just on this planet, but throughout the whole of creation and eternity and the heavens and everything. So God is present in all places at all times. Uh, and there's a beautiful story in the book of Acts where um, Philip is walking down a road and he sees a chariot coming. And there's an Ethiopian in the chariot reading the book of Isaiah. Philip jumps into the chariot and uh, uh, talks to the, the, this Ethiopian guy and says, do you understand what you're reading? And they go through this process of Philip explaining what he's reading, explaining that Jesus was the fulfillment of all this stuff. Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. Uh, and uh, telling him all about this stuff and he obviously talked about baptism as well because the Ethiopian then said well look here's some water on this road right next to the road uh, can I be baptized I, I believe what you're saying I believe this this you know Jesus is the fulfillment the Messiah can I be baptized and Philip said yeah let's go be baptized so gave him the quickest baptism class uh, there has ever been on the walk from the chariot to the river or the or water the lake whatever it was uh, and and the story in Acts says that as Philip baptized the Ethiopian, as he pulled him back up out of the water, he was translated. He was taken away from that space in physical uh, geography, and he appeared in the middle of a town, miles away from where he was. So God had picked Philip up out of that physical place and put him down in an entirely different physical place because God is outside of physical space. So God can do that. Now, if God can do that in physical space, because God is outside of physical space, if God is also outside of linear time, then God has the ability to do exactly the same thing with time, not just space, but also time. So a beautiful legend rose up about Bridget so significant and important was she to the Irish that she was actually physically translated in time from her own period of the fifth century 
back to the first century in Bethlehem was actually physically the midwife of Jesus at the birth with Mary and Joseph. And that's a, it's such a beautiful legend, but it does show how significantly important this act was. And then let's go back to the, the screen I was sharing just now. Um, and uh, I want to show you a lovely painting by um, uh, an artist called uh, John Duncan. And this is the translation of Bridget. The painting is just called St Bride. It's in the Edinburgh Tate Gallery or the Edinburgh National Gallery. Can't remember which one. So these are two angels carrying St Bridget over the seas of time back to the birth of Jesus. And uh, I love the angels. going to um, zoom in here. Uh, I love the angel's clothes. So if you just look at the, the detail on these clothes, they look like um, embroidery. Here on this angel's shoulder at the front, you have Mary being visited by Gabriel. Uh, just below the angel's arm, uh, you have the angel here appearing to the shepherds. There's the sheep and the shepherds there. Uh, and then just down by the angel's belly, you have the star, which is uh, personified, and the wise men following that star on their horses. Uh, and then you have uh, the wise men here kneeling at Mary and the child, Jesus. Of course, he was a bit older when the wise men got there. Uh, just below that, a little bit out of uh, chronological order, you have the baby Jesus laying in the manger. And then here you have uh, Joseph having the dream uh, to escape to Egypt. Uh, John Duncan is the artist. And the, the painting is called St. Bride. And then the angel at the back here, um, carrying Bridget's head has pictures from uh, the life of Christ. Um, so hang on a minute, where's it? There we go. Let's, let's zoom in on this side here. So here we have Jesus at the carpenter's bench as a, a young man. We then have Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. We have Jesus welcoming the children. We have the Last Supper here with the Apostle John laying his head on Jesus, the crucifixion the resurrection and the ascension on this angels. So we have the incarnation on the front angel and the life of Christ on the back angel carrying Bridget over the seas of time because the Celts wanted to uh, be so connected to the incarnation. So their focus of preparation for the incarnation was literally about how do I engage with the incarnation in that divine presence as if it's happening right now as if i can literally connect to it right now because god is seeing it happen right now because god can see all of time in one go all of history in one go because he's outside of time so how can i get myself into that space into that divine presence where i can be as engaged with that moment as the divine is in this moment uh, so it really became something, uh, and it, obviously, again, the theology of the importance of it, the, the fact that salvation can come through the incarnation because God taking on a human form meant human can take on divine uh, characters and, and, and the divine uh, energies uh, that we could connect with God and become one with God because of the, the incarnation. So this was the first coming of Christ, and I've only been able to give you 20 or 30 minutes worth of thought on this uh, there is a whole week of reading uh, in um, sorry there's 10 days worth of reading in there so if you haven't started this if you haven't got this then do get a copy of it and read through all of it uh, because the first came of christ in there goes into a lot more detail of that sort of thing 
um, than the others. But the Kiro is a great example of how important Christ was. The incarnation was and this beautiful legend that came up of Bridget. So I'm going to stop for a moment. We're going to have a pause. We're going to allow some of those things uh, to just rest within us. Just a couple of moments to be still.